The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. I'm not going to read all the verses, but part of them. Now, let me say this. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can use your phone. If you, There's a great Bible app called eSword. I, I, it, it's, it's free, and it's a phenomenal tool called eSword. eSword. E-Sword. Get on. You can get it down from Apple. You can get it from uh, Android. You can get it. All the smartphones will have it, and you can Use your phone for your Bible. Have it with you all the time. You can have it. We have a red book in front of you that's also a King James Bible. We just use the King James Bible here at the Gospel. We believe still it's the best book in English. And so take a take an eye at that. Now let me start reading in verse one there. Therefore, and anytime there's a word therefore, you want to see why it's there and what it's for. Seeing we have this ministry. As we have received mercy, we faint not. The title of the sermon is "There's the Ratio of Success. I always am interested in the Bible when it talks about ratios. This does this. Because of this, this happens. I, I picked that up. I'm like, man, I want to know about that. He says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Have you done that this morning? Not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, not trying to make it say something it doesn't, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. There's no scriptures of any private interpretation. It's not up to one guy to make it. This is the way it is. And that's what false teachers do. That's what false cults do. But the truth is that if you have thousands of people looking at the Bible and interpreting it in its literal, normal sense that are born-again Christians, they come up with the same conclusions. That's what it means by commending it to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But, if our, but look what happens if somehow we get confused or somehow we get at each other or somehow we somehow won't work with each other and we become disunited. I got three words I'm trying to say at one time. We're not unified together. But if our gospel be hid, hey, listen, if nobody mentioned the gospel to me ever again, I've been saved. I know Christ is my Savior. I've repented of my sins and in faith with all of my heart trusted in the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, who died upon that old rugged cross. I believe with all my heart that he was physically, literally, and bodily resurrected from the grave. I believe he's sitting at the right hand of the throne on God on high, making intercession for me. I am by faith his child. I have received the Spirit of God and been born from on high. If nobody ever told me the gospel again, I'm saved. But who loses? 
if we don't tell? Well, it says if our gospel, it's assuming you have it, it's assuming you're a saved person. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom, and this is maybe, I don't want you to circle verse 4. This is not what I'm preaching on, but this is just introduction. The verse 4 there is a, is a profound mystery that is solved by this verse. In whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them that believe not. Why don't they believe? Boy, have I heard people say that. I've talked to my sister about the Lord. I've talked to her. I've begged her. Why doesn't she believe? This tells you why they don't believe. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. That's as clear as, as can be. Lest, because if they did, if they did see it like then they would the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves servants for Jesus' sake. For God commanded who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, he's going all the way back to the creation. By the way, I don't see how anybody can claim to be a born-again Christian and be an evolutionist. You, if, if, if the first part of the Bible that gives us record of how things happen is not reliable, then the part in John 3, chapter 6, verse 16 cannot be reliable, and so many other parts of the Bible would not be reliable. Consequently, it wouldn't be believable, and you might as well go on and go fishing. The Bible is true. Jesus, over and over again, Paul and the apostles go back and say the creation is true. Because he said here, for God who commanded the light uh, commanded the light to shine out of darkness. That's talking about one of the days of creation. Has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now skip down to verse 14. Knowing that we, he, he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Now, this is the verse I want to concentrate on there, verse 15, verse 15 and 16. For all things are for your sakes. You underline and mark your Bible. That's the phrase I want you to look at. For all things are for your sake. That the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. And then in verse 16, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And every old man said, <laughs> no, some 30-year-olds, they didn't say nothing. They don't get it yet. I never had glasses until I was 45 years old. I went in I went into 40 year olds to get 40 years old to get my eyes checked just because I thought maybe I should. And I used to be able to read like this, you know. Read that fine print on them on them bottles, you know, just like that. And I went in 40 years old, cocky, went in the old uh, eye doctor and a female. And sometimes I have a little clash with female, but not much. I went to the female doctor, and I went in there, and, you know, she told me, she says, well, at 45, you're going to need glasses. And I said, I don't think so. I said, look at this. I could read the smallest print she could throw at me. I said, I don't think in five years my eyes are going to deteriorate that fast. She looked at me, crossed her arms. You'll be back at 45. 
I said, well, we'll see. At 45, I made an appointment. I couldn't read at this far. It was blurry. Everything was blurry. I had granny glasses. You ever tried them granny glasses off? It reminded me of Chris preaching at the graduation, that tassel that kept hanging on his ear. He grabbed that thing. He grabbed I counted. We were sitting over there. Moon and I were counting about eight times. I don't know what he preached, but I was counting about <laughs> Count how many times he touched that tassel. How many times they got granny glasses, they do this. You know, the preacher will be, he'll read a little bit. He's just got pride problem. Just go down, buy you a set of glasses, put them on, and you'll never take them off till, till the mortician takes them off. Because your outward man's perishing. But your, new, your inward man is renewed day by day. Oh, I like that. I like that. I'm young on the inside, but I look old on the outside. Well, ever, have you ever taken a video of yourself or had a video taken of yourself? Oh, you young people are constantly selfie, selfie, but we old folks don't do that much. But, uh, but well, the reason old folks don't do that much, we don't like what we see. We do a selfie and go, whoa, who is that old hag? Oh, brother. Through the, through the years, I'm going to concentrate on verse 1 and verse 16, and just to give you some focus. Verse 1 and verse 16. First verse, last verse of the chapter. Through the years, I've seen and now feel on a pretty regular basis the tendency to faint. I want to talk to you about fainting, or if I may say maybe better, not fainting. How do you go the whole distance and not faint? The definition of faint means to be weary of heart and consequently to fail. Uh, I remember years ago going with Pastor Harry McKinney. I worked under Harry McKinney, an Irishman, a saved Marine bartender. What a combination. No, wait a minute. A saved Irish Marine bartender. Because the bartender and to be an Irish go together. Because wherever you find four Irish, you'll always find a fifth. And so he was an Irishman, and he was proud of it. He said, if I wasn't Irish, what would I be? I'd be ashamed of myself. And he just kept going into all that kind of stuff, you know, Irish jokes and Irish this. And we loved the guy. He was a lovable soul. But he was an Irishman. He's a big, thick man. He's way 225 or so thick. Big old, you know, Marine, Irish, and a bartender, and, and Jesus saved him. He got born again from head to toe, top to bottom, front to back. And when he got saved, he went off to Moody Bible Institute in the four, late 40s, and of all places, didn't have any money, went over, showed up Moody Bible Institute back when it was fundamental, solid, and, and he went there and for, when graduated in three years and went out and worked in seven or eight churches through the years helping small churches be built up. And we called him, he was 60 years old. We called him, I was 28 years old, he was 60, quite a gap between there. And I thought the guy was pretty well washed up. I mean, I, you know, I thought I'll help the old boy with the crutches and stuff and make him, help him make it through it. And, and, and I remember uh, being around old Pastor McKinney and we did door to door. And he'd show up, go door to door. And I remember going with him thinking, boy, I hope when I'm his age I can still do this. I hope when I'm 60 years old, I can still walk like he can walk. I hope when I'm 60 years old, I'm still out after souls like that old, old boy is after souls. 
I hope when I'm 60 years old, I'm enthused as that old boy was enthused about getting people saved. I hope when I'm 60 years old that I can still just be for God like he is for God. I thought, that man is 60 years old. I mean, he's so far over the hill, he can't even see it behind him. And he's still going for God. Or was I dumb? 60. Are you kidding? You're just coming into your own. All you old people said. <laughs> As we get older, a couple doctors in the, in the auditorium here. As we get older, our hormones, our adrenaline begin to lessen. And we get what we get a natural occurring fatigue begins to come over us. Um I'm telling you, it's coming. <laughs> uh, it's harder to take stress than it used to. It's harder to tolerate the getting on your knees and up under the sink and changing out the faucets, and your neck bothers you for four days later, and your knee swells up when you get down and didn't use it. And, and you know, it's just, just all the stuff doesn't work as good as it used to. And, and, you, and you, you don't seem like you sleep like you used to sleep. I get up at least, how many here, let's, let's have a class. How many here get up four, night, four times a night? Raise your hand. Hey, man, we ought to have a Sunday school class, the four-time-a-night class. Some of you six times. It's unbelievable. I went to the doctor, not this doctor, because he's there. I went to another a urologist, I think, and one of the urologists said, come on, tell me. I get up five times a night. He looked at me. I'm paying $500 for first visit. That's a lot of dough. I think he recommended him to me. But anyway, <laughs> 500 bucks. This is hurting me going to this guy. And I want all, you know, he goes through all this stuff. And I look, he look, kind of bends over and he looks at me and he says, Get used to it. I said, Get used to it. I'm here for you to tell me you can give me something. I'll, it'll all go away. And he said, no, it's part of aging. So the process of aging is a real deal. Uh, we find ourselves tired in the afternoon, especially after the noon meal. And there are, uh, another little phrase we use, no nap, no snap. We got to have a nap. Now, Corey, he don't have to have a nap. You don't have to have a nap. You don't have to have a nap, you young people. But, but tomorrow... You eat that lunch, man. You're walking around. You're staggering if you don't take that 30-minute nap. That 30-minute nap focuses you and clears your mind. And I know you don't know. It's okay. I'm getting ready to put a chair in my office that lays down so I can take my nap, man. I can't stand it. About 9 o'clock at night comes. You know why we don't go out at night? We're just too tired to go out at night. Nine o'clock at night comes along, man. I'm like, man, we got to get out of here. I got to go home. I'm shot. I went to bed the other day, 7.30. My wife says, where are you going? I said, I'm tired and I'm going to bed. The horrible thing is I didn't get up till 6. What is going on? Well, take your Bibles. I'm going to tell you, the Bible already talked about it. Long before, about 3,000 years ago, what I just mentioned, and you say, what are you talking about? Does this have any spiritual application? Oh, it will. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, take your Bibles if you would. If you want to listen, it's fine. But you want to know where this passage is at because this is really profundity, and it's, it's wisdom of, of aging. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 
Solomon writes it, the wisest man who ever lived before or after. Nobody came up before or after him is wise. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Why? Why? While the, before the evil days come, or while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. In other words, huh, it's a tough road to hoe. In verse 2, while the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. Now look, in, well, I'm going to explain these to you as we go down through them. Verse 3, in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble. That's the arms, your arms. How many times you've seen people like this? And the strong men shall bow themselves. That's your legs. They say the first thing that goes on a prize fighter is these legs. And the grinders cease. That's your teeth. Because they are few. Or none. And those that look out the windows be darkened. That's your eyes. And then it says, The doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of a bird. And all the daughters of music shall be brought low. That means your hearing is shot. What do you say? Also, when they, when they shall be afraid of that which is high... They don't want to get up on ladders no more because they've lost their balance. The balance. What's the biggest problem with old people? Doc, falling, falling. And the fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. That's when your anxi anxieties tend to, to get larger in the, in the end of life, and your energy is gone. You don't feel sufficient to do anything. You're, even It talks about your sexual drive is down. Or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel be broken at the cistern. Simply speaking, this is talking about the heart, the spinal cord, and your head. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. There's a group of people that say, when you die, I'm just going to turn back into before I was born, and go back to the earth and be nothing. This Bible says that your spirit's going to go to God. So I can say to you unequivocally, based on the word of God, that when you die, your body stays here, but your spirit is going to go to God. I say this to everybody. You're going to live somewhere forever. Everybody that I talk to is going to live somewhere forever. You are eternal. You're going to live either with God and him and be at peace with him and reconcile to him. And your sins, to do that, your sins have to be Forgiven, they have to be propitiated, they have to be expiated, they have to be washed in the blood of Christ, or you're going to answer for your own sin. And if you try to do that and miss Jesus and the sacrifice that he gave, which was God's only begotten son, Muhammad won't do it, Buddha won't do it, no other religion will do it, only Jesus' blood will do it. If you don't by faith accept that blood which was shed for you for your sins, someday you're going to stand before Jesus and answer for your sin and be cast into a place called the lake of fire. What for? To pay for it. Because sin will be paid for, either by Jesus and his blood or by your blood in a place called hell. Don't be one of those people. Serve God while you can. What is this all about? Serve God while you can in the strength of your youth. That's the, the, what the Bible says. Remember thy creator. In the days of thy youth, when you're strong, when you got a lot of oom pa pa, 
when you got a lot of pop, when you want to do something, when you can get up early and go to bed late and you can see good and hear good and actually make full sentences. Praise the Lord. Now you say some of you people got saved later in life, like Pastor McKinney got saved 34 years old. He lost a lot of his youth. But I got right with God at 18 years old. And by the grace of God, I wanted to do this. I haven't always been perfect at it, but I've tried to give God the strength of my youth. Now I'm 64. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? Well, by the grace of God, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still about half. But I want to keep going. I'm not as good as I used to be. But by the grace of God, I have a wonderful memory of trying to put God first when I had the strength to do it. How about you? The days will come when temptation will grow and things will get harder and you will want to be weary. And here's the essence of the whole sermon. When you get older, you're going to want to faint. The temptation is to faint, to be weary of heart and mind and step back. Now, now look, there's a time when you're not able to preach anymore. There's a time when you're not able to teach anymore. There's a time but brother, there's almost no time that it comes to a place you can't give a testimony for Jesus. There's almost no time that you can't go somehow or another pass a gospel track out. There's a time when, Brother Gillespie, we're going to have to look at you and say, you cannot get those words, cannot do the bus minister anymore as a driver, but you can still be a bus captain, amen? You cannot drive anymore, but you can be a bus captain. That's why you younger guys, while you can drive and while you got all your senses, you need to get out there and do the will of God. It may be in the bus ministry, whatever it is, but be involved in the things of God. You say, you making that up? No, that's the first verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Look at it. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, a ministry. Paul says, and this is the formula, this is the process for success. He says, because we have a ministry, we faint not. I get that. This may be a life, this is the most life, one of the more life-changing sermons I ever preached. Because when Paul's saying this, he is not saying this without having had some resistance, without having had some people try to naysay and discouraging, and telling him he wasn't worthy, and saying he was an apostle born out of due seed. He wasn't even really an apostle that the rest of them were, but he wasn't. What he was saying was he had false teachers. As soon as he'd leave a church, come in and ravish the church. He had people like Demas having forsaken me. I love this present world. He had people that were next to him forsake him and go to the world and give up what they believed. He had every kind of disappointment a human being, I think, can have. The man that the Holy Spirit used to write this understood what it meant. To be tempted to faint. He knew what it meant. And he said, but I have this ministry. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you have a ministry? I didn't say you went to I didn't say you went to Gospel Baptist Church, or I didn't say you were even a voting member of Gospel Baptist Church, or maybe just a friend of Gospel Baptist Church, but do you and it'll probably, I just got to say, 99 out of 100 times, it'll have to be in some degree through your local 
Bible-believing church because that's God's tool, his organizer, his camp in which he gives ministries out. we got like 20-some evangelistic ministries out of this church. Some people go to the nursing home. That's their ministry. Some people go down to the uh, detention center. That is their ministry. Some people go to the prison, the big house. That's their ministry. Some people uh, do bus ministry. That's it. That's the, We call it the bus ministry because it is a ministry. Some of us go door to door and help us get people with the gospel. That's, and on and on, it's a ministry. Some people teach Sunday school. Some have a nursery ministry. Some have junior church ministry. Some have a school ministry. Some have teaching ministry. But brother, I wouldn't want to go through this life as a born-again believer without a ministry. Because if you don't have a ministry, guess what you're going to do? Faint. Faint means to fail. Faint means to get weary in your mind. You'll forget why you are doing what you're doing. If you don't have a ministry, you will come to a place where you're going to, why am I going to church so faithfully? Why do I go, why do I go Sunday morning, Sunday night? What, what, what is the point of that? But buddy, if you're out there serving Jesus in a ministry and you are in the a war of, of getting souls to Christ, then you will want to come and get refueled at a sermon and get refueled in Sunday school so you can go back out and do your ministry. You say, well, I'm old. What is Paul telling you here? Yeah, you're old. Yeah, you get old, but don't faint. No excuse to faint when you're old. My mama, she had uh, dementia pretty badly. We took care of her for about seven years. So finally, God took her home. And she was like feeble. When I say feeble, she would scare you. She would walk kind of like this. And I can't really reproduce it, but I should have took a little video of it. But what we did is, she said to me, she says, I want to do something for Jesus. I looked at her and I said, you want to do something for Jesus? I mean, she's pretty much housebound, didn't drive. And I said, what do you want to do? She says, can I go pass tracks out with you? Well, we were passing tracks out on the, on the monthly December, you know, when we go out there in December, go crazy and give tracks out everywhere. I said, Mom, sure. So I picked Mom up, hard to get her in a car. To get her in a car took 30 minutes. Remind me of Tim Conway, you know. I mean, it looked like she was going backwards doing the moonwalk. I mean, man, I, I don't have patience. I don't have, I'm not real good at patience, but God gave me some patience with that woman. I mean, she, we would be, it was, to go out to eat with her was a two-hour experience. Just getting to the car and getting back, getting to the car. And, man, she, I, I want to say, hurry up, lift your one leg up, put it in front of the other, let's go. But I didn't. I thought a lot of bad stuff, though. But I was sweet to her. That's my mother. And so I, I, uh, we got, I took her over to across from Sam's Club up there on 41. There was a shopping center over to the right there. And don't go there. That's my wife and my shopping center. That's our main shopping center that we go to to pass tracks out. And so we over that shopping center up there. And... Uh, I, I, I literally stood her against the wall. I gave, I took her, marched her over to this. We took, you know, we walked over to this wall, and I got her turned around, and I stood her up against the wall, and I said, "Mom, you got the wall behind you. People got to walk by you. Just go out there like this." She said, "Thank you," and uh, for two hours she sat there and passed tracks out. 
you know, and people went by. And, of course, would you not take a track from an old lady like that? She was more effective than I was. People look at me and go, I ain't want that. They want to be combative with me. They want to fight me. They want fist fights as soon as they look at me. Especially women. I don't know why. But uh, I, my mom, I, I watched her for a while. Nobody, nobody turned it down. She's just a year or two from dying. And she has a ministry. And she didn't faint by the grace of God. Will you faint? You'll faint if you don't have a ministry, some sort of a service. You need to, it, what will a ministry do for you? Number one, it'll focus you. Don't you need focus? Doesn't, don't things kind of get just crazy where pretty soon you're just standing there doing nothing? Focus on something. Don't listen to all the negativity. Find something by the grace of God that you can do for the glory of God and then do it with all your heart. It'll focus you. It will settle you. Number two, it'll settle you. It'll keep you from worrying about this, worrying about that, or thinking about this. I'm too busy to get in. I'm too busy to gossip. I got too much going on. I'm, I'm focusing myself. Uh, it'll give you reasons to get up in the morning. Some people, I've seen people retire that were busy people, and then they retired, and they didn't get busy doing something else, and they died. You've seen it. They just died. They had a heart attack. had the big one. Mowed the lawn, croaked, did something. I don't know why. But I've just seen it too much to be a coincidence. They retire and die. My, my grandfather retired at 65 years old, and he died at 66. That is exactly what Social Security is hoping. You'll have a ministry. It will give you peace. It'll give you peace. you get peace. Oh, it'll focus you. It will settle you. It will give you reasons to get up in the morning, and it'll give you peace. And, and another thing it'll do, the last thing I'll give you on my list is it'll give you some deep joy. Joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. And if you got, if you probably, when you're that old, can't say it this fast, but I got a piece of past understanding. Down in my heart. I hope you, I hope you get a ministry. Paul said, we, we have this ministry. Seeing we have this ministry. As we have received mercy. Now there's the ratio. As we have received the mercy. That's the rate. He says, you have this ministry. And in the degree that we've, we realize we've received mercy, we faint now. That's it right there. That's the formula. That's the formula. We have this ministry. And as we keep our focus on the, on the amount of mercy that God has laid upon us, we won't faint. But if that goes down, you go down. If it goes up, in other words, to the degree that you see the mercy of God in your life, your ministry focus will be better and bigger. To the degree it goes down, it'll be less and less. So why do people faint? They faint because they lose sight of the mercy, the amount of mercy that God has shed in their life. They become ungrateful. And then what is the opposite of ungrateful? Grateful. See, if you were grateful, you wouldn't do it. But when you become ungrateful, then you get to be complaining. Amen? Nothing right. Let me tell you, churches, local churches have more problem 
with members that are do not have a ministry, I'll guarantee you, than they ever had with people who have a ministry. Most of the time, your loudest complainers will be those who have no real ministry in the church. Not always, but most of the time. It's because they've lost their focus and they're fainting in their mind. They're, they're beginning to fail. They say, what's the use of it? They say, if you're having trouble making it to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I can guarantee you, you're losing your focus. You forgot how much mercy God has had on your life that you got to hear the gospel, that you may have been raised in a Christian home that some preacher told you about the gospel one day. I thought back about my life, born into a Christian home. Had a mom and dad that were born again that pushed me to do right, pushed me to read the Bible, pushed me to tell others about Jesus, pushed me to be part of the local church, pushed me to work hard for God and do right, pushed me to help other people. Man, I'm so privileged. I can't quit. I can't get discouraged. Though my physical is dying, though the physical body the hormones are becoming less and my, my body functions are slowing down. And, and, I can, and, and Job says, God gave you wrinkles so that you'd look in the mirror and say, uh-oh, I'm getting ready to go home. What the Bible calls the long home. In other words, you don't have any wrinkles. Really, you look in the mirror, you have perfect skin and wrinkles. You're saying, ooh. But boy, I look in the mirror and go, ooh. As I get older, I look less in the mirror and more in the sky. The ratio, the ratio. The reason you want to quit is because you forgot what God did for you. or you gave, and, and in the process of that, you possibly gave your ministry up. And you gave your ministry up and forgot how much he's done for you. And your only thing you can do is drop in the hole of ingratitude. And when gratitude has died on the altar of a man's heart, he's well not hopeless. You, you have to have gratitude if you're going to survive as a Christian. I like what, Doc, you've been saying lately. You've been saying, I don't want to serve God out of, out of a duty and, and out, of, out of guilt. I want to serve God out of because I get to, amen, because of gratitude. Old Don Sis used to say that. I want to serve God. We get to give the missions. We get to. We don't have to. No, you don't have to give the missions. There's nobody going to hold a gun to your hand and say, you got to give the missions. We get to do it. We get to give to the local church. We get to be part of this wonderful thing called the body of Christ. Woo! Wow. And then look in verse 15 and 16 real quick. For all things are for your sakes. Because really, isn't that what it's all about? Isn't really... It's for, the, it's for the sake of the believer. Everything's for the believer. Jesus died for the believer. Uh, he, he was resurrected for the believer. He went back on the right hand of the Father on high, making intercession for who? For the believer. We're here this morning in a local church. All these buildings were built. All the money was given. What for? For the believer. The Bible was given for what? For the believer. All the provisions. Jesus said, I go, I let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I, in my Father's house are many mansions. Where not so I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for who? The believer. The believer. It's all for the believer. When you get where you forget the mercy of God, you, you begin to faint in your hearts and you begin 
to do one thing that disturbs God deeply, and that is doubt. He began to doubt. The last step down is you lose your ministry. First, you lose your ministry because you forgot about how much God's doing and has done for you and will do for you. You don't spend time meditating on that. And consequently, then you faint in your heart. You become disgruntled and you doubt. Christians come to me and say, I'm doubting God. I'm doubting whether the resurrection is true. It took a while to get there. It took a while to get there. Brother Hiles tells a story of one time this woman came into him and was having a terrible nervous breakdown. I always love to hear the story. And she was horrible. And she came in and I'm having a horrible nervous time, nervous, you know, and she thought he was going to give her some profound info, you know, go to Dr. Crabb and he'll give you this or that or go whatever, you know, and do this and go to the veterinarian clinic and get a puppy or something. <laughs> he said, go home and start baking some cookies. And he said, take those cookies to some shut-ins and give them to them. Then go home, bake a cake. Go find somebody that's a shut-in and go give them the cake. She got so furious at him, so mad at him for weeks, she wouldn't, she avoided him, wouldn't talk to him. He met her one time in a short little squeeze of a hallway where she couldn't go to the right, couldn't go to the left, had to go, had to kind of run into him. And finally he said, well, what happened? She says, oh, I'm so busy, I called it all. I called the nervous breakdown off. I like old Harold Seidler, which I go to his grave every time I go to Greenville and bow on his grave on my knees. I say, God, give me just a portion of the Spirit of God that man had. And he said, die busy for God. Father, help us this morning. Help us to take the simple advice of the Word of God, puts it clearly laid out for us there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And there could be some in this room that are in some stage of eventual failure. You're in a stage of it. Maybe stage one, maybe stage two, maybe stage three. It's possible there could be some people in here that are embittered against God already down there to doubting whether the Bible's true, doubting whether God's real, Doubt whether he really is where he's supposed to be. I believe this morning I've laid out for you as simple as a human being can lay it out for another one how you can overcome that. Now it's just up to you to accept it. It's up to you to make your schedule fit it. See, don't, in this life, I don't live to work. I work so I can live. But I live so I can serve God. I work a job so I got time to serve God. Now, I know I'm a full-time pastor here, but I worked 17 years in floor covering, and I know what it means to turn real lucrative work down so I could go out bus calling. I know what it means to turn down real lucrative work so I could go to church. And every time I, I look back on that, I'm glad I made those decisions. I'm glad I really put first things first. The things of God first. The ministries first. Father, forgive us where we've got upside down priorities. 
Help us to do the right thing, the things which are going to last, the things a hundred years from now are going to matter. Explain this better than I could. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.